According to NFL Communications, on average, an audience of 8.4 million viewers viewed the 2020 NFL Draft all three days across ESPN, ESPN Deportes, the NFL Network, ABC, and all other digital platforms, easily surpassing the 2019 mark of 6.2 million viewers by an average of 35%. And my friends, the NFL is gearing up to give us the NFL Draft once again, with it right around the corner. It's time to get our minds right and give you an in-depth preview. For that, I turned to veteran sports journalist and executive producer of Backpack Broadcasting, Dexter Henry, who stopped by the program this week to give his insights and perspectives on this latest edition of the culmination of the NFL Draft evaluation process. We even found some time to dabble in a little NBA discussion as well. It's a full-service sports talk soup on this edition of Let's Have This Conversation. I'm Kevin McShann, and let's indeed have this conversation. Welcome to the program, and I'm excited to preview the NFL Draft with you tonight. So great to see you, and thank you so very much for being here. Thanks, man. So glad to be here. I really appreciate it, Kevin. Good to see you. With the NFL Draft less than 10 days away, we begin our discussion by debating... What has Henry most excited and intrigued about the latest incarnation of Christmas in April for the NFL? I think, you know, that's a good question, Kevin, because I think that everybody, you know, knows Trevor Lawrence. We know he's going number one to Jacksonville. That's, that's understood. So, you know, the clock really starts with the Jets, right? Uh, what will the Jets do at number two? You've heard a lot of talk about Zach Wilson. Um, just whether him or Justin Fields, you also have Mac Jones. He's been in a conversation. So I really think is what's the next quarterback to go? Because w- will it be the Jets at number two? You, they've said they're going to take a quarterback. Um, I think Justin Fields has kind of been disrespected here, uh, Kevin. And I, I think he would be actually be a very interesting fit for the Jets. Um, but there's a lot of good options. So that's one thing I'm definitely looking at. I'm also looking at who might be aggressive in terms of, of moving up. Um, in terms of t- to get talent that they might need. Would it be a team like Carolina, who's now at eight? Would they look to move up? The Broncos, 
you know, th- these are teams that don't necessarily have some stability at quarterback and need sort of an, an infusion of talent. You know, even Dallas uh, or, or the Giants sitting at 11, I think all that is very interesting. I think that's the, that, that's the other thing to look at, no, number two. Um, and, and I guess, you know, once you always look at the people moving up, Kevin, you also want to look at, well, well, will anybody trade back? Would a team like Miami, who may think they have their quarterback in Tua, and they're now uh, selected to pick sixth, would they want to move back and try to get some more talent, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball, to build things up? I think it's how much activity is there going to be on draft day. That's always interesting, especially after you see the first couple of dominoes fall. I think after you see what the Jets do, and then maybe when you see what the Niners do at three, it'll be very interesting to see what else happens after that. Yes, this draft is admittedly offensive heavy with a lot of talented skill players. However, I was curious to note Henry's response to the other positions he'll be keeping an eye on as the end of April rolls around. Yeah, I think, you know, I always think for teams, you know, offensive line help is is something that a lot of teams always need. So you're looking, you know, like you said, it's easy to always look at quarterbacks and wide receivers. They make the big highlight plays, what we like to see. I think offensive line and also um, there's some tight ends in this draft that can be very interesting. And we know how that can sort of be a security blanket for a lot of quarterbacks. You know, Kyle Pitts projected to go in the top 10. Um, a lot of a lot of mock drafts have him going towards Atlanta. So, you know, he, he can be very interesting, um, you know, there as well. The Giants, the team are looking for offensive line help. Heard a lot of that buzz here in New York. Rayshon Slater is somebody they could uh, go after. Christian Darrisaw. Uh, so there, there's some options. I always think teams looking to shore up either the offensive line uh, for protection for their quarterbacks or also even looking at the defensive line. Um, even though this draft is way more offensive heavy, as you said, Kevin, it should be interesting. So if you're looking at stuff and bolstering your offense, the one thing you want to do always is to protect your quarterback, right? You want to make sure he's upright uh, and, and protect him. So getting that protection and, and being able to win the battle in the trenches, which is kind of cliche, is what you want to do. So definitely look out for some offensive linemen here. Don't sleep on that and sleep on teams who might be looking for value to get value on the offensive line, even in terms of trading back. When we look at uh, the player with the highest ceiling in the draft, who do you think has the highest ceiling of all these prospects this year, Bonnie? Oh, man. I mean, it's hard to not say Trevor Lawrence, right? Like, he's looked so good at Clemson uh, the last three years. It's hard to not say that it's him. I mean, every he looks like he should be a Hall of Famer. Uh, but, you know, we've seen crazier things happened uh in the in the draft um i think jalen waddle also has a, a really high upside here too out of alabama my concern sometimes just with alabama wide receivers though is that they haven't necessarily played uh with really great quarterbacks and they just always they're always open so i'm not necessarily sure how good the quarterbacks are sometimes how good the wide receivers are um but i'm also i like the upside of justin fields man i like justin fields I've seen some projection of him going to your Lions, Kevin. I've seen that. And I, I think the upside around him is better. A lot of people are looking at what he can't do. But I think that he can have an impact sort of the way Deshaun Watson was underrated uh, in terms of where he was picked a couple of years ago. I, I, I'm not saying he's as good, but I think people are undervaluing the impact he might be able to have 
on the NFL level. But if I had to go with just high ceiling, yeah, it's 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 Trevor Lawrence from everything I've seen from the college. Looks like a guy who can make all the throws, lead an offense. I mean, look, we have to see all those things once he gets uh, on the field in the NFL. But from what I've seen in college, I would give him the high ceiling for sure. Conversely, which prospect or prospects do you believe has been pulling above their weight and maybe just a tad overrated throughout the duration of the evaluation process? Yeah, the one for me, the concern with a guy I think might be a little bit overrated here is, is Matt Jones. I'm not as high on him as some other people, and there's some projections that have him going uh, either to Now, I think he's going – now, it's funny. If you ask me, do I think San Francisco will take them, the answer is yes, Kevin. I think they will, and they're very desperate for a quarterback. I actually think they're better off probably taking fields, but I don't think they'll do that. I think they will take Matt Jones. Um, I I just think that, you know, and they've been kind of quiet on, uh, on, on what they're going to do exactly there. But I think that Matt Jones, you know, a, a lot of his – Draft stock rose up late, you know, recently in the last couple of months. He's kind of shot up the boards. Uh, Same with Zach Wilson as well, too. With those guys, I just, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty there. And I'm not just, I don't see uh, a guy that can, you know, I don't feel as confident in him. But, you know, look, the NFL draft is a crapshoot, as you know, Kevin. Uh, You never know with any of these picks. We can say we like a guy here and, you know, nothing's guaranteed. And we don't know. I'm just not as sold on him as some others are as well, too. And I could probably even add Zach Wilson to that as well, too. I mean, I think he's a safer bet than Mac Jones, but I'm not as really as high on either of those two guys. And when we look at just the moving of the draft outside of New York, I'm wondering your thoughts on the draft on location and the impact it's had on the league, Bob. Yeah, you know what's funny? As as a native New Yorker, as somebody who's covered the draft a couple of times in New York, at least three or four times I've actually covered the draft, and it's a great experience to be around, you know, I think it's nice that it's getting to go to other cities um, and other fans in those areas are getting to experience what the NFL draft is coming to their city. Now, I'm sure for the players coming, I'm sure the players love coming to New York because New York's great, and, uh, you know, night out in the town, and the glitz and the glamour and all that. I'm sure they loved all that. Uh, but, you know, I think it's nice to, you know, spread the wealth around and try something different, and I, I thought it was a good move about the move from the NFL. Um, I wonder if there's ever a point they'll move it back consistently to New York. I don't know if that'll happen, Kevin, but um, I think it's a good move. I think it's been solid. Don't mind it at all. Well, I, I don't think they'll move it back permanently uh, for, uh, to New York because it's a money maker for the league if they move it around, yes. right? Yeah, so. and, and follow the money, right? You always got to follow the money. I hear you. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm curious to uh, get your thoughts on which team you think has to have a, a successful, dra- successful draft or who's under the most pressure to have a successful really? draft this year. That's a real... That's a really good question. Who's under the pressure to have the most successful draft? I'm going to put the Jets up there because they really haven't had a really, really like stellar draft in years. Um, and they've had some good picks and they've traded some of those guys away. 
Um, but they haven't really had a stellar draft. So I think there's a lot of pressure on them. I think there's a lot of pressure on San Francisco to get the right quarterback uh, in here. They have the talent of a team that can win now. They need to get uh, a guy in here that can lead them and, and, and do that as well. I also would say I, I think there's, there's some pressure on a team like the Broncos as well. Uh, they, they sort of need to get things right on, on, on that end. They're kind of looking like they can break through. And then, you know, I wouldn't say this is a high-pressure team, but this has been an interesting offseason thus far for the New England Patriots, and I think how they draft in this draft and being able to restock uh, as they've, they've already tried to they've already improve the defensive side of the ball, but can they also add some other offensive pieces and looking towards the future? They need a quarterback of the future. What's going to happen? They don't, they don't, they're not going to, what's going to happen for the team post Cam Newton? They have to start thinking about that. Another team I'll add to there, I don't know if the pressure is on them necessarily, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, they also have to start thinking about their future, especially a quarterback with Ben Roethlisberger getting up in there in age and sort of uh, retooling their team and looking at that. So I think teams with aging quarterbacks, you could also add the Falcons in there as well with Matt Ryan, the Packers. I think those teams are now sort of in these positions where they have to actually start thinking a little bit about what their window is in the next two to three years, if they even have one, and how are they going to retool, especially at the quarterback position? And uh, you're in the epicenter uh, in New York with with uh, the Jets and the Giants. I would love to get your thoughts on that. And as well, uh, as you know, uh, you're being broadcast today in Windsor, which is the city right across the river from Detroit. So I have to ask you, what do you think the Lions are going to do in the draft as well? I've seen the Lions, well, you know, right now, it all depends on how you feel about Jared Goff, right? Do you think he's a quarterback that can take you to the future? Did you like what you saw out of him in L.A.? I would think the Giants, not the Giants, excuse me, the Lions need to add a quarterback at some point. I don't know if they have to do that in the first round. Looks like Justin Fields might be there for them. That could be interesting. But I think the Lions need to find the guy they're going to go with long term following the departure of, of Matthew Stafford. And I think they, that, that's going to be the most glaring need for them uh, going forward. Until they find that guy, they're not going to really be able to move that franchise forward. Personally, personally, Kevin, I'm sorry. I do not believe in Jared Goff uh, as that guy for you. I, I see your face. You don't believe in him either, probably. But uh, I think that's something they need to do. As far as the Giants and the Jets, uh, I'll start with the Giants first. I think the Giants, for them, the big thing is, okay, can we protect Jan- Daniel Jones? Can we limit the mistakes and make the offensive line better than it was for him? We saw some improvement with that last year. We saw a bit of a culture change with the Giants. Joe Judge seemed to have started that shift, but I think protection for Daniel Jones is imperative. And also opening up some uh, running holes for Saquon Barkley if he's able to come back and be effective after that torn ACL. So I think beefing up the line is definitely imperative uh, for the Giants as 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 well as also making some improvements possibly in the secondary on defense for them as well. I think those are two areas they definitely like to show up. As far as the Jets, look, the Jets need talent everywhere. But first of all, they need a quarterback. Absolutely have to get a quarterback in here that you believe can be the franchise. The Jets in my lifetime have never hit on that. They've never had a franchise quarterback pretty much since Joe Willie Namath. That is the imperative. If they get that right, uh, that's a huge win in this draft for the Jets. So number one is they've got to get a quarterback. If they can do that, they'll be in pretty good shape. 
And as a, a Jet fan, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the new head coach and what you think of him, Bob. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I like, I like that. Um, I think it's going to have a lot to do. You know, I like his defensive background, but I think a lot's going to have to deal with how the decisions are made down to drafting and does he get the right players that he wants in here that fits his scheme, that fits the mindset. Um, what we've seen in the history of the Jets is it always will seem like they never have a head coach or general manager that is sort of on the same page and working in sync together. Um, and I think that's going to be the key there. And I think where Jets fans have a lot of trepidation is, oh, we've had some coaches come in and they've been good and we've had some limited success, but can we have sustainable success? And also will the front office and management uh, ownership, excuse me, believe in that coach, even if there's a six and 10 season two years from now or something, will they stick with that? Um, I think consistency is one of the things that you don't see enough of in the NFL. And I hope they can uh, stick to a coach and GM and, and stick it through, through the tough times. So I, I think he can do a good job in turning it around, but I think he'll only be as good as how management and ownership allows him to be. And we saw today, of course, Alex Smith announced his retirement. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on the arc of his career and what he meant to the league. Well, well Alex Smith was, was, was a gamer. You know, he was a, a quarterback that was looked early on as a game manager um, in his years with the Niners. And then he had some good years with the Chiefs. And obviously, you know, breaking his leg and unfortunately his career with the Washington football team you know, very disappointing. But to see him come back last season, you know, that was nice. That warmed the hearts of everybody, Kevin. It was nice to see him back on the field. And I think that's a lot of what he'll be remembered for, how he fought to come back and and compete. And, you know, it's a shame he's not able to compete anymore. But I I think, you know, he was a very good quarterback uh, in a short period of time. And, you know, seeing what he came back from and his resiliency, that should definitely inspire a lot of people and a lot of football fans across the world. And just very quickly, I know that uh, your other passion is covering basketball, and I know that you've got a a podcast dedicated to that. So I'm going to ask you to tell me about your podcast and uh, what you think of the NBA as we round the corner within the last 20 or so games, buddy. Yeah. um, Yeah. um, So my podcast is Ain't Hard to Tell Podcast. I host that with my co-host, Brian Fonseca. We talk a lot about sports and a little hip hop as well, too. But very strong focus on the NBA. Uh, NBA is my favorite league, favorite sport. Uh, As far as this season, man, Kevin, this has been a crazy season with everything is everything has gone on in the world with COVID, right? This has been an insane season, hard to predict. Hard to know what's going on, but we're coming down the stretch last, you know, 20 to 15 games for a lot of teams. And I think what is going to be the interesting as we thing as we head into the playoffs is who's healthy. I mean, a lot of it comes down to health many times, but how healthy teams are uh, this year and how healthy they can be throughout a postseason run. And yes, that includes, you know, having teammates or team members or people around the team possibly not contract COVID. Um, Hopefully that'll lessen as more people get vaccinated, but you know, that's going to be the key. That's the thing I'm keeping my eye on, especially the Lakers. Can the Lakers get healthy? Can LeBron returning, Anthony Davis returning? Um, How do they get back in the gear? You know, are they going to be fine? Are the Brooklyn Nets going to be healthy? Um, They've had a lot of injuries they've dealt with despite their good record. Uh, Are the Philadelphia 76ers for real? 
uh, now with Doc Rivers coaching him. So a lot of interesting questions, but I think no matter what your biggest question is, it all has to come back to health with the NBA. And, and it wouldn't shock me if the healthiest team, maybe not necessarily the best team, is a team that could be holding up the Larry O'Brien Trophy in 2021. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm... I'm... Curious to get your thoughts on the Phoenix Suns because I think they're one of the most uh, intriguing teams so far this year. Yeah, I do think they're one of the most intriguing teams in the league because I think nobody had them as high as being where they are now in the Western Conference, right? Where they're second second place in the West. I think a lot of people, including myself, thought they'd have a great impact. Uh, Chris Paul would have a great impact on that team. I saw them probably being in the middle of the Western Conference playoff race. But their high is two right now. Uh, they play uh, a very slower pl- pace, but you can see the impact Chris Paul's had on his team. He had a great impact, obviously, in Oklahoma City last year, and he's showing it again at his age, just running the team, has everybody in the right spots. DeAndre Ayton's developing in, into a nice player. Devin Booker's game has gone to another level. Uh, Mikael Bridges uh, has been really good. So they're a really dangerous team. I think they're a team not to be taken lightly with the leadership of Chris Paul. And they're a team definitely on the rise. And they're a te- I'm really intrigued to see what they can do in the playoffs. Can they win a round or even more? But they've also been one of the healthier teams. So if they stay that course, there's no. Sh- it wouldn't shock me if they got to a conference finals. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Absolutely. So uh, my final question for you, Dexter, is how... How can uh, people get connected with you if they're so inclined to do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate that. If, if people want to connect with me, you can follow me on all social media platforms at DHenryTV. Uh, you can also follow my podcast, Ain't Hard to Tell Podcast, that, that's that, at A-H-T-T Podcast. Uh, you can follow me there. And you can also check out my YouTube channel uh, for my production company, Backpack Broadcasting. Uh, so check, check us out there. Fantastic. Hey, Dexter, I always enjoy uh, uh, and relish the opportunity to talk some sports and uh, the NFL draft in particular. So I really want to thank you for spending a few minutes with me uh, to get us up to date on everything we need to know about the NFL draft and NBA as well. Your time and expertise are most appreciated. Great to see you and thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Kevin. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man.